0: Welcome to a new episode of A Day With. Today I'm sitting down with Zach Hinkle, who works at Google as a program manager covering the Asia Pacific region. All over the world, Google has been recognized to be one of the best companies to work for with fun offices, cool employees or Googlers, as they call them. (laughs) And, you know, we hear so many cool benefits that they have. And so those perks could include stock option, massage room, free gourmet food, haircuts, laundry service, nap pots, hairdressers. It goes on and on. And so I know a lot of people that would love to become a Googler. So today I'm really happy to speak with Zach as he's not only a Googler, but has experience working with the firm for almost over nine years. He started at the HQ in Mountain View, then moved to Japan to manage the customer service team. And after a few years in Tokyo, he moved to Singapore as the Asia Pacific program manager. So, Zach, thanks for agreeing to come to the show. I'm super excited. Welcome to A Day With. Thank you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. This is my first podcast experience (laughs) so I'm excited Uh, thank you for having me today
0: I'm super excited because like I was saying in the intro I think Google we hear so much about the company and I think not only because I've known you for a while now you kind of represent also many things that the company you know represents like flexibility to travel around the world there's so many business lines that we'll get into it yeah you've experienced so much within Google so thank Mm. you for coming absolutely so let's start by talking talking about the company itself so we've watched that movie the internship remember yeah i remember that one (laughs) it's like the longest commercial on earth because like a two-hour just like google commercial where everything it's amazing yeah so are the offices like that the offices of google
1: yeah so i i do remember the internship they actually when i was working in mountain view they they actually did a screening for all google employees to come and watch the movie just before it released really um so yeah it was a pretty fun experience getting that preview before it it got the full release worldwide (laughs) when i was watching the movie all of the familiar campus landmarks that they have including the volleyball courts and the pathways that they have for bikers and i remember seeing some co-workers in the background of the... The extra? They were the extras, yeah. (laughs) Did
0: they get paid for the movie? (laughs)
1: Uh, Unfortunately, no, but yeah. (laughs) I think they... (laughs) It was so bizarre. It was. It was. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, there's my friend over there playing volleyball, or like <laughs> just walking and eating lunch in the background." Yeah. I think it definitely captured the feel, the look and feel of the yeah. campus, um, especially at headquarters in Mountain View.
0: So, are the perks real? You know, all well, everything we hear about having food for free, gourmet food.
1: Yeah. They. Yeah. They have the massage. They have the food. They have um, hairdresser. I think I remember I brought my car onto the campus and they did like an oil change at one point. So it's the most <laughs> random stuff. But the aim is to just make life easier, easier for Google employees so that they're happy and productive at work. Yeah, it's just to ease the burden and and actually produce. So it's nice having those amenities. At the end of the day, though, you are expected to deliver. <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy life. But yeah, make sure you do the work too. So
0: it's not just like a free ride to get <laughs> all of those perks. There's definitely obviously a lot of goals to be met. So it's like yeah. almost this is taken care of so that you can concentrate at work <laughs> and yeah. do the real thing.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's really great because if you need time to like separate yourself from your desk, then there's a lot of common area spaces to take your laptop and, mm-hmm. and just sit and like be in a more relaxing environment or be in a, a collaborative environment um, instead of just like at a desk that you sit at all day, which I think maybe you might find at a, a typical office. Um, so it's good to have these creative spaces to bring out your best work yeah. and to bring out the best out of each other too.
0: So now you're talking about the work, so maybe talking about the industry, right? Were you in the tech industry before coming to Google?
1: No. So I, so I started in like supply chain, but it was a very quick stint. It was like a year and a half after graduating. <laughs> and it was like the company I worked with, It's a, it was a very small company. And it was very specific. They produced logo, like metal logo nameplates that go on electronics and appliances and apparel goods. Okay. And so, for example, like golf clubs, if it's a Nike branded golf club, they would produce that little Nike swoosh <laughs> uh, and in China and then ship it over to Nike and they would put it onto their golf clubs. Okay. And then my biggest like my biggest partner was Oakley. So like the little O's that go on the side of Oakley sunglasses. We also made those. <laughs> so it's very niche and very yes. specific. And my job was to make sure that the orders go out to China, that they are getting good like quality adherence for it and not yeah. messing up the batch of like nameplates that are produced. And they're going out on time to our clients. So,
0: so, I mean, that's very different to what you know Google does. So what made you go into the tech industry or was it just randomly you pop into Google?
1: It was, it was a dream. Like it was more, I think like a lot of people, I always wondered what it would be like to work for a big tech company and to work in Silicon Valley and to work for a company like Google that's well-known and a big brand that's always in the top list for employers. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to apply, see what happens. (laughs) I I have no chance of getting in. Like, I'm just like, I, I don't know anything about advertising. I don't know anything about tech, but let me try it out and see what happens. And so I applied online for a sales and a customer support job. And
0: how was that interview process?
1: Um, I was not expecting to get a phone call, but I got a call from a recruiter and they basically checked to see if my resume, if I was like an actual person <laughs> and then also <laughs> if the the resume, like what I had on the resume was actually true. I was able to explain some of my accomplishments through internships and through college, and then a month later I was invited to go to interview at the the Mountain View campus in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. And it was really, it was really cool. Like, it was my first time west of uh, Chicago. So I'd never seen like huge mountains before, <gasps> I'd never been to like California beaches. Oh. I didn't know that weather or anything, but uh, yeah, I showed up. They gave me a rental car and like I got to drive around the campus and I saw things like the self-driving car and I saw people walking around and like doing walking meetings with each other and like talking about business, but being able to enjoy the California sunshine there. (laughs) And I just thought, you know what, this place, like I could totally see myself working here. I would love to work here. Let me kill it at the interview right now. And the interview itself was probably about three 45 minute interviews back to back for this job I was applying for. And it was it was pretty straightforward. Like there, w- you didn't get those like puzzle questions that I think you often hear about.
0: Yes, because I feel like a lot of people are intimidated just to apply. Uh, was yeah. it like a normal type of conversation? Just like what do you do, and did you mostly see your skills uh, in terms of talking, or uh, was it very technical?
1: I would say so. For the role I applied for, it's more on the people side and in the business side. So it's not as technical as like engineering. I think with an engineering role, if you're um, a software engineer, you're going to be expected to do problem solving on a whiteboard and know how to code and like be able to to interview in that way. But for my role is more about uh, Like what they assess you on is like problem-solving skills. So if you're presented with a customer-facing situation like a challenge or if it's a stakeholder management situation internally at Google, how would you navigate that type of situation? Mm -hmm. Um, So you had problem-solving. You would have questions about leadership. So what would you do in this scenario if you're managing a project or if you're managing your peers when they report to you as like your actual manager at the company. Yeah, leadership was another aspect. And I think a third quality was role-related knowledge. So if you're working in customer support and there's an irate customer, an unhappy customer calling you on the phone and like you have (laughs) no idea what they're talking about, how do you handle that type of situation uh, and get them through that? They'll cover those aspects. And then a fourth thing is Googliness where they want to see they want to understand how you navigate ambiguity and then also how like what sort of appreciation for diversity you have because that's a huge factor at Google they want to make they want to make sure that There's a good representation of different talents and ideas and thoughts Mm. so that we can provide solutions for the whole world and not just for a certain set of users in the world. What
0: do you think Google looks into people that are either different or have like some type of leadership? What would you say it's something in common that you say you should work on this or you should have this if you want to apply to Google?
1: One of the big things is... I would start with listening as, as a skill. That's probably the number one thing I think I've learned at Google, where you're not going to have all the answers to a problem. You're going to want to understand the problem as much as possible and understand the needs of like our users and your stakeholders internally at the company. So it takes a lot of probing questions, a lot of like sitting down and having conversations, not just one time, but probably multiple times to understand the perspective of users and internal stakeholders. So I think listening to frame the problem is, is the number one thing that helps the most. And when you go through the interview process, you're not expected to uh, give an answer right away. You might be expected to ask questions like follow up questions before you start answering the question in the interview so that you have full context and a full understanding of how to what the scope of the problem might be
0: oh that's such a good tip maybe they're also expecting you to reframe that same question they asked at the beginning exactly like a consultant almost yeah (laughs) ask more questions
1: (laughs) exactly you might you'll start off with questions and, and it doesn't come across as annoying or anything it's just like that's how you frame the problem best so that you can understand what the true issue is and and go from there. I would say a big thing that I, that I've been navigating recently is stakeholder management. Mm-hmm. So when you propose an idea, you have multiple stakeholders that you have to get buy-in from and like a number of leadership another a number of communication styles, you'll need to adapt to get your idea across and get buy-in for it. So I think like, engaging stakeholders early and often and knowing what order to reach out to them and knowing which teams to reach out to 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 really Make sure that if you have a program launch or if you have um, a new initiative that you want to drive for the company, you engage the proper stakeholders so that there are no surprises later on where someone says, "Uh, no, we're not bought into this idea. We can't move forward. So I think creating a stakeholder map and knowing who to go to for information and how to pitch things, that's that's a big thing at Google too because it's a huge company. Yeah. And you'll need to navigate it for sure.
0: (laughs) And within that, because I guess... Now you know this. Right. But when back when you started, is it kind of like hands on, you needed to learn all of this by your own or is there like a well training program where you felt that you were taught all of this and, you know, the the environment, it's very like, let me teach you how it is at Google and this is what you do
1: it depends so <laughs> <laughs> if you have like a great manager right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean they they put you through a a, a really strong onboarding process like okay. i think i'll talk about my personal experience so when i first started i think i went through like five or six weeks of training oh
0: my god that's in so long what? yeah
1: it's a long time and and the way they started it is First, we got to know the product. We learned about how Google Ads works. We learned about, yeah, how to like navigate it so that we could support customers whenever they reach out to us with questions. So that was the first thing, get to know the product. And then that was kind of the foundation training we had maybe in the first week or two. And then after that, it's the soft skills. So how do you talk to customers? How do you navigate the different profiles of customers, the different types of customers that might reach out to you? How do you handle like objections with them as well? so you practice these soft skills in in like pairs or in group settings you do like scenarios with each other you do role playing and <laughs> stuff like that so they definitely yeah they definitely equip you that, that uh, with those skills too and then after that it's more shadowing with the, like the actual people who are doing the job who might be transitioning the work to you or you might be doing the same work with as them on the team then you actually do the job <laughs> and you're expected to I, I think you'll have soft targets at first mm-hmm. like you won't be expected to, to perform at the same level as your teammates who have been doing the job much longer than you but they'll gradually ease you into it and and ramp you up over the course of like the first six months on the job
0: but i think you touch a really good point that i've been hearing from people that would love to work at google facebook you know these big companies but they keep saying like i have no idea what they do and these are s- Huge businesses that have like hundreds of different products. It's great to see that in some way, you know, you do have a big training process where. I mean, they're maybe not expecting you from the beginning to know as much for the role itself. I'm sure, like as you, the role is increasing. Like you know, managers and with years of experience, they expect a little bit different. But yeah, a lot of our listeners are recent graduates, recent MBA graduates too. So it's kind of like they will teach you. Yeah, yeah, the products and all of this.
1: Yeah, you'll definitely be taught. I don't get me wrong though. I think. I was scared <laughs> when I first started because, uh, so I did customer support. Uh, that was my <laughs> first job at Google. So basically I would pick up the, f- I was working in a call center basically yeah. when I first started, but it was, uh, a fun call center because you just had a bunch of 20 some year olds, like, like soon out of college getting together. I think I started with about 15 of us, uh, in my onboarding class and there were 100 people on the team, so you had, like, instant friends in San Francisco, like, the first, like, I, I'm not from the Bay Area at all. Yeah. I'm from the East Coast, and to go to the West Coast and all, all of a sudden have, like, 100 friends, <laughs> that was, it was, a, it was a really good experience having that. Yeah, this, this call center job, like, you had the fun stuff, like, you had hula hoops, you had teddy bears all over the room, you had, that like, Basketball hoops like you just throw while you're on a phone call with a customer. But I do remember being so scared getting onto that because like the first customer I talked to talked to yelled at me over something that wasn't that I didn't do to them, that wasn't my fault, and I took it personally. But then I realized, you know what? They are frustrated with their product experience. They're frustrated with their experience with Google. And I'm on the front lines. My job is to make sure that I can turn this experience around for them so that they have confidence working with our products and working with our business. So, yeah, I don't have to take it personally myself, but I will make sure that I turn this experience around for them instead.
0: And I love what you're saying because we'll speak more about your specific role right now. But from Mm -hmm. what you're just saying, you know, it gives me the feel that you got to experience firsthand, you know, what customers were saying about the product, which will lead now to understand a little bit better how you can find solutions or strategies and we'll speak about your role now later on but before Uh, you mentioned about the community so um, I've heard so many names like you call well Googlers that's the main like name in the community but there's also Nooglers what's that Nooglers yeah Noogler (laughs) it's uh,
1: a new Googler basically
0: (laughs) then there's um, Zooglers that's ex-Googlers
1: yeah that is ex-Googlers so I forgot I think you told me about this before and I was like what does that mean again yeah I think that's (laughs) Ex Googler. <laughs> I think I remember like Greglers, like older <laughs> Googlers or something. I, I don't I, I don't know if that's offensive, but I think there's like a an employee resource group or an interest group like that. Truglers, which is basically me. That's like a Googler that transfers from one office to another. It's a Uh, trugler, yeah, trugler. (laughs) So yeah, you have fun names like that.
0: That's so cool. All right, so you mentioned about you being a trugler, which is something I love not only because I think international experience it's just so rewarding, but talks a lot about how Google is right, like giving you so much opportunities for you to grow. So you've been in Mountain View, Mm -hmm. in Tokyo, and in Singapore. Tell us a little bit about this, you know, traveling experience. How easy was it, you know, back in Mountain View to say I want to transfer did you know you wanted to go to Tokyo or was it just like a random opportunity for you to you know go to that office in in Japan
1: yeah I'd say I've been very lucky with super supportive managers and and advocates at Google when I was in Mountain View so I, I had a manager we would have career conversations maybe like I think it was every two weeks it was very often like I think that's even at Google that's unheard of but every two weeks we would talk about career and I think one thing that I came up and and I was like, I never, I still don't really know what I want, but I never really knew what I wanted. And I would just throw out ideas and be like, oh, I want to do like a rotation on this other team or, oh, I want to work in marketing or it was always, it was always changing every two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would
0: just imagine your manager like, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still kind of like that today, but I tried to, like, be more focused okay. more than before. But I, like, as a 20-something-year-old, I, like, yeah, I didn't really... You wanted
0: to discover the world. And I wanted everything. As you should, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And so I brought up one meeting, I brought up like, hey, you know what, it would be cool to like work from Singapore for three months or something and and like bring some of my learnings from this team over to there and then like bring some learnings from there back to here. And my manager was just like, okay, well, who do you know in, in like in the APAC region and like who do you know who could advocate for you or or who you could at least talk to to get more information and I was like oh my gosh I know exactly who she she like leads the support team in Singapore she looks after Southeast Asia markets she actually had just come to shadow me like listen to me do consultative calls with some of our clients going through um, this whole series of of like treatments for their accounts and she saw my work and she had all these questions and I made sure I emailed and followed up with her so let me out to her and like see what she knows uh-huh. happening out there and he said okay great um i'll see what i can do for my end and so i sent um this manager this lead an email and um she came back and she said oh actually we i've moved from singapore to tokyo and i'll be launching agency support and also we're launching something called self-managed teams which is basically instead of having top-down decision making we'll have the team come up with solutions themselves and empower them to solve problems for the business uh, instead of expecting leadership to, like, put forth ideas that maybe the team wouldn't be so happy with. Mm. Um, So we'll empower, like, things from the front lines up instead. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's something we've been working on here in Mountain View. And she told me, "Okay, let's talk about it. And I would love to hear your ideas. So we had one chat for a half hour. But meanwhile, my manager behind the scenes, he was talking to like the director in, in APAC. And I think they were like setting something up behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, the next day, my manager sits down with me and he says, oh, um, so you have an opportunity to go to Tokyo in the next couple of months. And you would be ridiculous to not accept this opportunity. <laughs> it's not three months. It's actually going to be at least a year. But you should think about it and let me know what you think about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, Tokyo. I don't know anything about uh, Japan. I
0: was just going to ask, do you know any Japanese? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Japan is just so not foreigner. It's not yeah, it's foreigner like so friendly unique. at all. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Like, that would be the last place I would think of going to, I think, in the Especially
0: world. Especially, <laughs> like, was that your first time leaving abroad?
1: uh yeah living abroad the first time oh my gosh
0: yeah Yeah, because i feel like singapore at least here it's very western friendly everything is in english you know etc japan is like not
1: i knew nothing about japan i still like i'm a typical american that doesn't really know global geography (laughs) (laughs) like all i know is my hometown (laughs) and i was like okay i kind of know where japan is on the map but like where is it in asia like is it north south like oh my god you're so funny right now (laughs) yeah i i just went into it with a a blank slate and risky
0: of you but but good yeah did you just say like okay it's a new experience let me try it for one year
1: i i basically talked to some friends Mm. and i talked to my friends who had lived abroad including my one friend who um he lived in china I think he studied abroad in China for a bit. And I think I talked to people who... Actually, I talked to so many people, like people who lived in Japan, people who lived in Southeast Asia, China, and I got their advice. And I think one person who I talked to who had lived in Japan was like, best experience ever. Oh, wow. Like, I wish I was living there right now. I think back fondly on those moments. It was the most formative years I'd, I ever had. I'd ever Or formative months I'd ever spent. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting excited. Like okay, I'll accept the yeah. offer. <laughs> I'll go to Japan.
0: But before you continue, I want to yeah. point out because you're not the first Googler <laughs> that yeah. talks about this management meetings. I think obviously, like you said, you, yours was like unheard every two weeks, but it's so cool that managers and the company itself encourages the feedback. So it's, you know, every three months, I hear like feedback meetings or, or, or career meetings where you can say what do you want what you want next mm-hmm. and what I've heard from other Googles like they can talk about salary expectations um internal changes etc cetera, etc cetera, and like they actually take it for real mm-hmm. and help you achieve that you know get into uh, a line for you to achieve those goals this is just a one of those examples where you're like I want a new experience and all of a sudden your manager is av- advocating for you to go to Japan all of a sudden yeah
1: no absolutely I think I think that's what I really appreciate about Google is the Um, how transparent you can be about your needs what you are trying to get out of your career like I think it's it's not a taboo subject like I feel uh, in my previous company it wasn't really something you talked about you didn't talk about career you didn't talk about like where you could take your talent after that role that you're doing, yeah. but I think like at Google, even on day one of your job, you can start thinking about what's next for yourself, and you can position, you can start having conversations about how position, how to position yourself for the next role at Google, um, and that comes down to figuring out what skill sets you want to build, and what sort of goals you should set in your role, and which stakeholders might be best to to work with and and to gain advocates through over time and not in like a slimy and networking way but like
0: i was just gonna ask because because it feels like from your own experience you needed to like know some people and do like some kind of network too yeah but it's a little bit more organic than that
1: i would say it's it's absolutely organic like i don't go to like google events being like okay i need to talk to this person this person this person (laughs) and like i need to get this business card no i don't work that way
0: like the banking mindset it's a little bit like that yeah
1: (laughs) it's it's more like oh, okay, you have this interest, not a work interest, but like a hobby. Let's talk about this. Or let's sit down for lunch or coffee and would love to hear more about the role that you're doing and and what's important to you in your role and not about like, what can you do for me?
0: Yeah, what can I get from you? Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. A more friendly
1: approach and more like, yeah. 100%. 100%.
0: Right, so how was getting into Tokyo? Did you find any like the cultural differences? Obviously the country, yes, but uh, let's say going into the office over there and everyone was talking in Japanese, I can't I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how was that? Yeah.
1: Oh man, I showed up, got off the flight, didn't have like data on my phone. Had to figure out how to get from the, the airport to my Airbnb. And I was just completely lost. I like, I think I printed out directions on Google Maps <laughs> like to figure <laughs> out how to get to the Airbnb. Yeah, I just I had no data connection there. I fortunately I had good instructions from the Airbnb about how to access the lock and how to get into the apartment. I was afraid of taking ch- taking the train system, even though it's super efficient, super safe. But I just didn't want to get taken out of Tokyo and get taken somewhere else. So I just walked everywhere. In the first few, in the week or so, first few week or so, I was just, I felt like an alien there. Like <laughs> I felt so different and I felt like I stood out and I just didn't know the language and it was a bit intimidating, but also like electrifying at the same time the tokyo streets i i don't know how to describe them but i the best word i have is like they're so romantic there's just something
0: (laughs) i thought you were gonna say something very like crazy because depending where you are in tokyo sometimes it could be crazy like those video game stores and you know like all the lights yeah then yeah you get some little streets that are like
1: so cute and they're so curvy and they're like you don't know where you're gonna end up i know Yes. like you'll see this little cute coffee shop in one corner and then all of a sudden you see the huge flashy lights of like shibuya crossing and then you like turn another corner and there's a sake festival happening or something <laughs> and it's just like you never know what you're going to get and there's just always surprises everywhere you're just always like delighted
0: and so how is like working at google in tokyo was did you have like this little expat bubble Or were people inclusive? And how did you communicate with the other team members?
1: It was so inclusive. Mm -hmm. I was, that was one of my fears. I was like, I'll never fit in here like going into Japan, yeah. I just thought I would always be an outsider. But I think one observation my manager had, the one who brought me into to Tokyo, you just blend in like with the rest of the team. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you've been living here for a while. Um, and I think if you're open to that experience, if you're open to learning about the culture and learning about how business is done there, how they engage with clients, how they celebrate success and celebrate each other, I think you won't have a tough time at all mm-hmm. like acclimating and getting the full experience and feeling like you belong there so you have to be open-minded to it yeah i hate comparing tokyo and singapore but acclimating to life in tokyo was so easy it was so because it's it's so different and it's <laughs> so exciting and you're like i don't know what's going on just like i'll go for the ride and see what happens That's
0: so cool and so i mean i'm sure you enjoy that how how many years did you, uh, were you in tokyo
1: three years Three? Yeah. Oh,
0: so one year became three. Yep,
1: I loved it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Were you able to, after the first year, just talk about it like, oh, I really want to stay here more or they asked you to stay more?
1: Uh, in the first year, I did sort of have one foot out the door. I was thinking of Sydney. I was thinking of Singapore. Um, I wasn't ready to go back home, though. Like yeah. I knew I wanted to stay abroad. Yeah, because you I was had enjoying your little it.
0: taste of life yeah. outside of the U.S.
1: Exactly. And And
0: how did after the three years, did like the Singapore opportunity come about?
1: So that eventually I, I started, I had to think about career and what made the most sense to me. And Japan, it's like, it is... You have a lot of international talent that comes in and you have non-english speaking oh no you have english speaking roles of course all over the office but the the function that i work in it's the business side of it so a lot of the times it's going to be client facing or it's going to be it's going to have to be the part where you you should be positioned in a place that makes sense um the office i was in it's for japanese customers right it's japan first and so i think in order to like reach my full potential and career it made sense to go to our apac hub here in Singapore and like do the job out here. Like
0: an English speaking customer base. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Australia, Singapore something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like somewhere that, that has more roles that would, I think there would be a a larger pool of roles available to me and it would make sense career wise to come to Singapore instead. Um, So I talked to my manager again. I talked to like other stakeholders in the region. My manager's manager was supportive and they're like, okay, we have a job for you in Singapore. You can transfer over there instead.
0: I'm just so amazed. I've said it like five times already, but how easy it is. It's just like I don't see it in other companies, you know, like Mm -hmm. I remember when I was working at L'Oreal, my manager at that time asked for a transfer to New York for over five years. And they would always say like, yeah, 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 we're working on it. You need to achieve this amount of metrics and, you know, you'll be on your way, but never really happened. And then Mm -hmm. like other companies in the asset management industry were like, it's so hard to get like, those transfers and for you and other friends that we have at google it's like Mm -hmm. i want to go to zurich okay yeah well (laughs) can you wait six months because in six months we have a job for you. it's like of course six months is nothing (laughs) you know what i mean it's like yeah so easy i I bet it's also like a huge company so there's always like something open
1: yeah i think so and they it is strategic too like they have um google has certain orgs within google and certain teams have hubs all over the world so Singapore is our big hub for the team that I work on. Hmm. Um, So, if there's a position open, they would rather hire someone internally than have to look externally to take up that role. They would be willing to take you, like, have you transfer to Mm -hmm. pick up that role instead. And then, yeah, we have, like, uh, it depends on your team, but you'll have hubs all over the world. And I think that's what makes it easy to transfer around if you need to.
0: Got it. So it took us a while (laughs) to get to today, but how Mm -hmm. is a day with you? And what does a program manager do? Mm -hmm. Maybe for someone that's right now at university, you know, picture like a 20-year-old, not, they don't know anything about, like, business or strategies, but, like, in simple words. Yeah. How could you describe your job?
1: Yeah, I would say... So I think it's a few aspects. like one of the one of it is launches. So I, I work on it's it's strategy and operations. it's it's the go to market team. and so we work on launches that affect our customers ultimately. So I'll be the one to help prepare for launches that affect customers in the support side of our business at Google.
0: Okay, let's take it low. So <laughs> launch like what type of product are we talking about?
1: So let's say you do a search on Google for, Okay, let's say you get locked out of your apartment <laughs> and you do a search for a locksmith. Okay. Uh, this is taking me back to my call center days where we talked to a lot of locksmiths <laughs> <laughs> who complained about like their competitors clicking their ads and, and like losing money off of that. But okay, let's say you get locked out of your apartment and you need to search for a locksmith to come over and help you into your apartment. Mm-hmm. In the search results, there are... You have the organic search results, oh. which is basically, it's like any website that shows up without having to pay for their place on Google.
0: And it would be depending on which words they have in their website that matches your search.
1: Yeah, and the quality of the content on the website, how often they update the content on the website. So it's it's a lot of organic, organic Matching
0: things. Matching the results, okay.
1: Yeah. And then you have businesses that can pay for their spot on the google search results mm-hmm. so if you're a locksmith and you want to show up at the top of the search results you'll pay you'll bid a certain amount so that when someone clicks on your ad you have to pay that amount back to google to be placed at the top of the search results
0: oh, that's so interesting so it's not like you're paying just to appear there you would only pay if someone clicks
1: yeah it's cost per click oh, okay. so for for google search it's cost per click so anytime someone clicks that's when you pay mm-hmm. um you bid for your spot and you have competitors who bid for the spot as well. But it's not just the bid amount that gets you at the top of the search results. It's also the quality of your website. Mm-hmm. So if you have like a website that's easy for a customer to navigate and get information they need, then that will bring up your ranking on the search results.
0: Oh, so let's say my website sucks, but I'm beating like the most amount of money. That doesn't get me maybe on the uh,
1: Yeah, because it's a poor customer experience. It's a poor user experience. Mm -hmm. And Google doesn't want like trash at the (laughs) top of the search results. Got it. So we have to factor that into there. And then the quality of the keywords that you are bidding on Mm -hmm. is another thing so let's say you're a locksmith but you are you also like you put cupcake as your keyword Mm -hmm. you're not going to show up on the search results for cupcake because it has nothing to do with your business and the people who click onto your website will be like they'll bounce out of your website Mm -hmm. they'll leave your website and be like i was searching for cupcakes why am i going onto a locksmith website right now right oh my my god the the cross
0: check my insane just to like verify that yeah. It makes sense, okay.
1: Super smart. I mean, it takes, like, lots of data to mm-hmm. be able to build that up. But, yeah, it's basically how much you're bidding on a click to your website, the quality of your website, and then the quality of keywords that you're bidding on mm-hmm. to show up in the search results. So that's our business. We also show up on, we have ads on YouTube, of course, and we have ads that show up on any website that, like a news content website that might have ads on there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another network that we show up on. Th- that's the business I support. And... The specific part is customer support where any customer who has an issue with their campaigns, like showing up on the search results or on YouTube, if they have a policy issue, if they have like an invoicing issue with their account, if they are not getting the ROI that they expect from advertising with Google, they can reach out to our call centers, our support centers and get help. And so that's the business I look after. So anything that affects our customer support business, any launches um, or any initiatives that affect it, I am the one who makes sure that it works for APAC customers. And I make sure that our sales stakeholders are also happy with it and on board with it because they're working with our top clients in the region as well.
0: Mm, got it. And what would you say it's your main challenge in this?
1: So as a business, our main challenge is is our customers are getting so smart with using Google Ads <laughs> that our support team is not able to keep up with the customers questions like we're not able to sometimes we're not able to add value in the way that we want to because they know so much about the product like they're more experts sometimes than our support teams so we really need to ramp up our specialist support mm-hmm. um, and ramp up like our expertise on the product so that we can continue to stay ahead of customers and like make sure that we're adding value to the interactions that they bring to us.
0: Like they might ask, like, I bet this amount and I saw X other person beating this other amount. Why are they showing up? Like they could complain about. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they could complain about that. And we and, and I think like those types of questions we'll be able to like we should be able to navigate those ones. But they might ask a question like, hey, I'm in like so and so business. Like this is my business right here and I need help like getting stronger ROI. Like what is the advice you can bring to me? And our support team will be like well (laughs) we have this template answer right now like this is what we can offer to you like this is what our help center is saying but sometimes they need like tailored guidance that's specific to their business model Mm -hmm. and specific to their needs as a customer and it's it can be difficult to keep up with that i think
0: it's so interesting to hear that customers are getting so smart
1: yeah especially agencies but i think my my own challenge In the job is we have so much data at Google and we have so much information, which is great. It's a great problem to have, but you need to be able to tell a clear story to your stakeholders on on how the business is performing. And so my number one, my stakeholders are the sales teams. Um, I go to them and I give them updates on how their customers are being supported by our team. Like what sort like what percentage of their clients are actually coming to our team to get troubleshooting support? Um, what are our customer satisfaction scores how fast how quickly are we turning around issues and getting like problems solved for their customers mm-hmm. so I um, I have to create a story that goes back to these teams and I often create decks and slides and there's just so much information out there and there's so many stakeholders to tell this story too that it's it can be hard to take this 30-page doc of information and make like five slides that tell a clear <laughs> yeah. story. So that's my biggest challenge, like taking all the data that we have, taking like all the talking points that we have and making something visually pleasing mm-hmm. as a deck that tells a clear story to our audience uh, within the sales teams.
0: But just by the way you're doing this podcast, I feel like you're such a good storyteller, like how <laughs> to like, you know, explain, but I get, you know, it's like, how can you summarize all of this so that it makes sense for everyone? Cause there are so many different parts. Yeah in like three or five slides (laughs) yeah it's so
1: hard and it takes weeks of preparation like weeks of preparation to present five minutes of slides basically oh my gosh but that's my job in in a nutshell like telling a story in five minutes but
0: being ready with the data
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and i i'm the worst with with slides like i'm okay i'm good with slides but i just like having tables all the time Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of audience members needs like data visualization they need white space on the slides but i just like having tables and like text on (laughs) slides
0: (laughs) you're like very rational you're like yeah yeah (laughs) so So you've learned how to like do it more interactive i guess
1: yeah and that's that's a skill i'm trying to grow and and what's great is that google you have trainings that you can do you can attend trainings that help you develop those types of skills so that's definitely something i'm investing in like storytelling and then like presenting in slides Mm -hmm. as well
0: what would you say it's on the other side, like your favorite thing to do in your day-to-day? I mean, because something you said, it's, and it's really great to see the growth you've had because you started, uh, we were just laughing before the podcast about like, literally was a customer service, co- like kind of the call center yeah. for Google. <laughs> and you grew to like this role that it's super not only nice but a lot of learning and challenges and you know you hold a lot of responsibilities within your yeah. team here in APAC so it's like a huge growth yeah so yeah what's what's been one of your favorite things that you're like oh this is exciting for me
1: I think I just like meeting new people I like and this sounds cliche but I think <laughs> what what gets me excited is is like working on a new like working with a new team and trying to figure out how to navigate an issue that I, that I haven't like worked on before. Mm-hmm. One example is I've never worked with the legal team before, but I was asked to jump in and help like, like support the, the Australia, New Zealand legal team on something that was this happening there that relates to customer support and work on a legal document that goes out to like a consulting firm. Mm-hmm. I've never done that stuff before. <laughs> like I, I I have no idea how that works, but I got to meet them, I understood what like what problem they were trying to solve, um, and like what sort of documentation they needed, what data they needed from me, and then I started like adding stuff to this legal document and I was like is this okay? Is yeah. this and you never know, like you you're just doing things for the first time at Google a lot of the time and mm-hmm. I think what's exciting is like working with a new team and doing something for the first time and not being sure if you're doing it right or wrong. <laughs> and then realizing that okay you know what it's okay it seems like they like the people There's that you're room working with... for
0: mistakes if any but
1: yeah and and if you are making a mistake you'll get that feedback but you'll get it in a constructive way not in like a reprimanding type of way
0: that's so cool and so what has been a story or anecdote that comes to mind you know when the, within this nine years that for you you know it could be funny, it could be sad, traumatic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but like I don't know a story that that has happened to you during Google,
1: yeah, I think so it's not a really funny story, but it's more of like an inflection point, I guess, mm-hmm. and it's more it it is like a learning for me I think my it, it's like my biggest learning at Google, okay, and it goes back to the listening part okay. um I think for me it was it was in Tokyo, I was managing probably about 12 um, team members at the time Mm -hmm. and it was my first time as a manager I think I was like 27 years old I never really managed a team before or I did in Mountain View a bit but not to the same level as what was happening in Japan yeah Yeah, not 12 people and not like like being responsible for a big part of the business and I think at the time when I was managing the team I would have regular one-on-ones with my team and I'd often check in, check in and say, like, hey, how are things going? Like and their their response was often, hey, everything's good. I'm good. Like there's this issue, there's this issue, there's this issue, but I'm good. And I think I would just take it at face value and be like, Oh, okay, they're good. Um, then here's some ideas for that issue. Okay, is that it? All right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think what I realized is I didn't realize it until later, but we would have those conversations and I thought everything was going well. The good thing about Google is managers actually get feedback. survey. They get surveyed by their team members. And every two quarters, there's something called a manager feedback survey that gets filled out at uh, performance reviews. Your reports fill out that survey and they talk about how you're doing as a manager. Mm -hmm. They talk about things that are going well and not going well.
0: I love that you can rate your manager. Yes, I think every
1: company should do this. I absolutely agree with it.
0: Because it's always the other way around. Only managers like giving feedback to the reports. But yeah,
1: now it's a 360 sort of like review process. So your reports can review you. And actually this review influences your performance review, which influences your compensation as well. So if you have a low score, like like you won't get a raise the next year or you won't get the same bonus as someone who gets a higher score.
0: Got it. So that it's like closing the loop, but you know how your managers were also good at encouraging you to grow because mm-hmm. then it not forces, but encourages managers to be good managers, I guess. Yeah, You know. A- absolutely.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it and and they, they invest so much time in trainings for you. Like you spend so much time learning how to be a good coach for your team and not just solving problems for your team, but being there to help guide them towards solving their own problems. Um,
0: So how was the review for you? (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was bad. (laughs) It was
1: so bad. I thought everything was going great, but I like...
0: You got the worst
1: review. (laughs) I got such a bad review and I was like, what happened? Like everything seemed okay. Like they seemed happy with me. They seemed like they liked me and everything. Like, Like I thought I was well liked on the team, but it wasn't about being liked or being popular on the team, but it was about like, are you actually solving problems for the team? Are you actually um, helping helping them remove roadblocks from their work and like helping them be productive in their work? And I think like, yes, they did say that everything was good during one-on-ones, but the problems that they presented during the one-on-ones, we weren't really taking, I wasn't taking it as seriously at the time and spending time listening to the words that they were saying, like the exact words. Or looking at their body language and interpreting it that way. I think if I had done those things and been a better listener at the time, then I would have avoided like months of stress for the team and a poor performance review, which is selfish. But like I, I think um, I was just so motivated by... Uh, at the time, I was motivated by performing at a certain level and getting to the next promo level. That yeah. I forgot to be that listener and be that advocate for my team at that time. So oh, that's now, such a
0: nice thing to say because it. I mean, obviously, you were. You know, this was a while ago, and, mm-hmm. and that was your first time managing. Which I think managing people is so hard. Yeah, to train them and all of that but yeah you take it at face value they're saying like yeah everything's good but it's true that sometimes people just say that so you don't ask more questions and you leave them alone (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and as a manager you know sometimes you need a little bit of coaching of like yeah like trying to open them up
1: absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and i I think culturally there was a, a a challenge there too with i don't mean to stereotype but i think in japanese culture after talking to friends out there you you might Not reveal like what you're truly feeling, but I should have known that like three years into the job that that's (laughs) how it works sometimes. But I
0: get it a hundred percent, especially because we both come from like the U.S. and again, not just like generalizing, but I find Mm -hmm. like in New York, you know, my company, you get it straight away. Like if something's wrong, like there's nothing wrong to just speak up on a meeting, and even if your CEO's in front, you're like, oh, I don't agree with that because this and that and. Even if they won't pay attention to your comment, you're, you know, allowed or it's welcome to just speak your mind. Whereas like here, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about but like I've been with my team in rooms where I'm like asking for feedback and they're just like, yeah. Yeah, Yes. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Yes, okay. it's like <laughs> challenge me <laughs> or, or saying something different helps build better things, but if, yeah. you know, everyone's just like, okay, it's okay, we'll do that. Then it's just a little bit, it's harder.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, there are some cultural nuances that come into play. But yeah, I, I, I think ultimately it also comes down to listening and asking those right questions.
0: Zach, so what's next? I mean, you've been around the globe <laughs> at this point, nine years into Google. Uh, are you planning any other changes coming up or are you happy here? How How do you see yourself in the
1: future? Yeah, I think similar to just before moving to Tokyo, just before moving to Singapore feels like it's another inflection point. Um, it's almost three years here in Singapore. I kind of tend to do things in threes. So. It's your three-year mark. <laughs> so I, I, I have to think about, okay, what's next? Uh, I don't have to, but like I like to think about what's next at this point. I don't know. I don't have concrete answers.
0: But how do you see yourself like uh, in the future?
1: I, oh gosh. I <laughs> <laughs> have so many ideas. I do like my team a lot. Uh-huh. I I like being in, in go-to-market. I like the StratOps function that I work within. Mm-hmm. I like the business I support as well. So I do want to stay in this org. I like my manager. I like uh, my manager's manager. I, yeah. I, I, I'm I really happy where I am. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, I want to yeah. stay there. I want to continue You that.
0: like the side of the business you're in. okay?
1: Absolutely. So I'd love to continue that. Maybe a different role within mm-hmm. the business mm-hmm. instead of focusing on Asia-Pacific program management and like working with sales teams mm-hmm. maybe it would be time to look at yeah like another strategic role within the cool. business
0: i'm sure we'll see you like in few years all around the globe like US, <laughs> europe and you know <laughs> so many things to come up all right so just to finish up the episode i have a few questions sure. some of them are personal but okay. funny questions to end up so what are the best and worst purchases you've ever made
1: oh okay best a blender especially during covid Oh <laughs> yeah, I think just being able to make smoothies every morning, oh. I, I love that.
0: Yeah, you keep fit. You're very fit. So no, I, I you guess. You are. Come on. <laughs> and what's the worst?
1: Um, worst. This one time, I went to Shargao in the Philippines, uh-huh. and I purchased a a cave tour, where you're like swimming in water, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like it's basically you're in batshit in this cave. And knowing what COVID is today, I, would have, <laughs> I should have never gone on that cave <laughs> tour. I regret that.
0: Okay. Well, you are alive now. So. <laughs> All right. If you could start charity, what would it be for?
1: Oh, my gosh. I think something for kids. Yeah. Oh, I'll do something passion? for children. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I did charity work for kids in college. Yeah. Maybe something for children. Maybe something related to hunger. Cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what does happiness mean to you?
1: expectations i guess like keeping expectations in check and then and actually i think executing like doing things like if you have an idea i think it's good to sit on it and think on it but like if you want to be happy and feel like you're moving forward then pursue that idea as well
0: sure that's such a nice way to see it (laughs) all right who alive or dead would you like to go on a uh, road trip with yeah
1: (laughs) this is uh my friend callum i think i would go with him he uh so he he did pass away last year um but i think he would be just the best road trip buddy (laughs) to go with i we did some travel together um in asia and yeah it would be great to see him again on that road trip
0: all right and final question there is there anything or is there something you would never try or do again in your life
1: I mean, I guess this, the the thing, <laughs> like that. I would never do that again. <laughs> Something else. <sighs> um, I don't know. I think everything's... You don't a, regret. <laughs> yeah, everything's like a growth experience. I I think like yeah, you'll have regrets, but it just shapes you into who you are today mm-hmm. and just have to live with it so yeah <laughs> no regrets no regrets <laughs>
0: i love that what is that saying uh they say you only regret what you don't do or something yeah like that. So it's the life it.
1: unlived so yeah
0: <laughs> amazing well um, we're recording this on a friday so cheers i feel like we deserve a drink yes
1: cheers, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> thank you so much thank zach you. i
0: love getting to know you know more about your role there's so many people out there that would love to work for Google, and I think this will give them a little bit more perspective of, you know, what is it to work inside the company, not only like the fancy stuff and and fun, but thanks for sharing about your role and your experiences around the globe. Yeah. And yeah, for everyone listening to A Day With, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Remember to share your thoughts or comments on our Instagram adaywith.podcast. You can also see behind the scenes pictures and videos of this episode there. And subscribe to get all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. See you next week.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.